It's a Thursday, and Christmas is, what, two weeks away? Thanksgiving is in the rearview mirror, and it's the Big Go Belt Wrestling Podcast. I'm Jamal, joined with uh, Hill Will Mahoney, Damian Salty G, Mr. Silly Sellers. He's so silly. And 2 chains. So, How you doing, guys? What's up, my man? Great, great. Good. Now, before we get particulars, I just want to say right now, I have a problem. Oh. Have a problem. <laughs> What's right. up, dude? So... We're two months into two months and some change into NXT. We're two months and some change into AEW, both premiering on major cable network television. And I have a problem. I have a problem uh, with both of them. Okay. <laughs> I might agree with so, your problem. Now, which calm, calm yourself, sir. Uh, sorry, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, now the problem I have is number one. Well, actually, which one are you going to start first, AEW or NXT? Go AEW. Okay. My problem with AEW, there are three problems that I have. Number one, um, the, the lack of women in the writer's room is, is apparent, and that needs to change immediately. It is interesting what's happening with um, the women's division getting a, a sudden boost, and that's cool. It is interesting what's happening with other uh, you know, plates spinning, and finally they've gone back into telling multiple stories at the same time. But right now, AEW still has not delivered on what it's promised it would be. And that is different, mm-hmm. changing, revolutionary even. Honestly, AEW feels like it's being booked by Kevin Nash. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and it, it's, it's apparent that you can tell that where their bread is buttered. They have the best tag team division in the world. I don't care. But you, you can't name a company with a better tag division than NXT. Well, that makes sense because the Young Bucks are running the show. Okay, cool. But if you want to incorporate these other facets of wrestling, then do it. But have the people in there to, to coordinate these things. And I, So I guess the first thing I start with is the women's division, or lack thereof. I don't know if they have like the cabinet, the Narnia, in the AEW locker room, but where are all of these women that were supposed to be there that we just haven't seen? Um, I know that other people like B Priestley and Rio work for Startup in Japan. I know that other you know people have you know other dates that they do, but we haven't seen the champion. Uh, Rio is turning to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that she works starter. I, I get that. But why is she the champion if she can't make Wednesday nights? Now, granted, Wednesday nights from Tokyo to Champaign, Illinois is no easy feat. But she's had her time as champion. It was a hell of a setup and a great story. But what are they doing? Um, overall, their, long, their short-term booking is not having keeping me interested enough in their long-term booking. And that's problematic when you don't have any 
history to base it off of and the excuse of, well, they're new. They're finding their way. It's been two months. So that's the, so the woman's thing is the first thing. The second thing is audio issues and production issues persist. Mm-hmm. How in the blue hell are you a multimedia company with the same audio and production issues that you've had from since your first show last year? Every week. Every yeah, week, every the week. audio is crap when they first come on the air. And then it the, seems like it takes a segment or two to fix it. But at yep. first, the audio is a mess every episode without fail. So the mix is trash. It is 100. You, you, can't, you can either barely hear the commentators. I've never heard a theme music. The first time I heard a theme song where I actually went, oh, that's actually pretty cool, was at Full Gear in the audience in Baltimore. Mm. That was the first time I actually heard a theme song that came across <laughs> clear was in the audience in Baltimore. That's you're not, ridiculous. You're not lying. I knew something was off the first time I heard the, the first time I heard the song. I was like, wait, why does it seem so unfamiliar to yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it sounds like I'm listening through the wall because my neighbor is deaf. That's what the mix sounds like for AEW television. I thought it was my TV, honestly. So the third thing that I have a problem with is the lack of a mid-card booking. Ding, 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 ding. That's my problem. In, uh, if you're not in the elite or their surroundings, which would include the inner, which doesn't include the inner circle, because that includes the Bucks, SCU, Kenny Omega, who is woefully out of place in his own company. <laughs> how, how Kenny Omega, out of all the people, one of the executive vice presidents, feel out of place and mismanaged in the company that he runs. That's dumb for a number of reasons. But if you're not in that group, along with um, Cody uh, and you know his wife, you don't you just seem to become an afterthought. And very few people are getting over on their own. And that's that is troubling to me. Now, obviously, and I say very few because Jericho did it because he's the champion. Uh, the Lucha <laughs> Brothers did it because they're arguably the top five best tag teams in the world. Some would say number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Shida Hikaru uh, is doing mm-hmm. it. Chris Statlander is doing it. Mm-hmm. But how many other women before those two, except for Rio, who have come through the AEW uh, television, where you go, that was fine. We don't need any more of this. Has Penelope Ford fallen down the well? They brought back Awesome Kong, but would she turn into, um, you know, a black Jake Hager? I mean, just like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened to Big Swole? Where'd she go? I hate so, to say it, but AEW Dark. All <laughs> pun intended. Well, keep going, they're going to turn all of the dark. Yeah, it's all going to be dark at this point. Exactly. <laughs> so, 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 this, so this obviously leads to uh, a question. It would have to lead to a question, or if it's just a rant. The, so the first question is, do you feel that AEW has not necessarily lived up to the hype? Because they've done that, and they've sustained that for a few weeks, a few months even. But do you think that they've lived up to the promise that they would change the business? And anybody can, you know, can answer that yeah. question. I mean, obviously, by their scope, the answer is easily no. But by the fans, uh, excuse me, let me rephrase that. I'm about by to say, hold their, on. <laughs> by their metric, 
of changing the world, the answer is no. Even by the promise and maybe how some interpreted it of changing the world is no. But inadvertently, all of a sudden, people's a fascination on ratings and taking pictures at live events about open seating has just become a norm nowadays. And that, I think they have absolutely been the catalyst of, of that change. So that's pretty annoying. And, and, and like I said, inadvertently, they have changed the whole world of professional wrestling on that notion. But as far as what they've been trying to accomplish and promise to accomplish, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So uh, let me, yeah. let me hey, ask this question. So, and once again, I'm gonna make. I'm, I'm watching football right now. Just made me think of this reference. So, if you're watching football, right, and I'm gonna put this back on you, Jamal, just for a quick question. If you're watching a CBS football broadcast versus a Fox football broadcast, who would you pick? Um. Well, I mean, I'm kind of stuck because um, I don't watch football, so I would probably pick CBS because technically they broadcast in a higher definition than Fox. Okay. Now, let's think about just the quality of the presentation of what you're watching and not like the technical aspects of it. And now this can go to anybody, really. What would you, what would you say, CBS or Fox? Um, I th- personally, I think that CBS has a better presentation with mm-hmm. its more traditional look um, mm-hmm. and graphics package and stuff like that versus Fox's goofy-ass robot, you know, breakdancing <laughs> through the social break. Diverted to the, the flyover Madden cam for no reason. Right. Um, Fox definitely skews to, like, a younger, um, mm-hmm. more edgy... It's a slicker offering. presentation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, I would say that it is versus CBS's more reserved presentation. Um... And NBC is somewhere in between those, where they mm-hmm. have goofy graphics with like the extra green grass for no reason, and other camera tricks versus, um, but it's still in a more refined presentation than Fox's um, shenanigans. And and the reason why I ask that, because I, I think the reason why we're seeing struggle with AEW, and you kind of alluded to it too, James. They're supposed to be some different product. It's supposed to be something new. It's supposed to be something fresh. It's supposed to be something we never seen. And basically, we're looking at a product like if you're watching football, if you're watching on CBS or Fox, and it comes to the point of what presentation is going to treat me more. So as you mentioned, Jamal, when you have problems like audio and sound, and I'm looking at essentially the same thing from TNT to USA, I'm going to appeal to the product that maybe looks better on that day instead of, you know, looking at to see which product is giving us the better quality of wrestling, because it's essentially the same thing. And before we went on the air, uh, me and Will was kind of talking about Will had provided me the information of what the ratings were. And we made a comment by if we're having the mid eights of essentially where each program is receiving as far as their ratings and probably a good portion of that is who's flipping channels back and forth. And at some mm-hmm. point, somebody is going to remain on one channel longer than the others. And that's why they probably won that week, even though it's essentially almost the same product It's who's providing that better presentation on that week and i think that's where we're getting to the point and if AEW is doing that neck and neck aspect it's not going to last very long because they're not upholding to their hype that they brought in from that first couple of weeks because now we're just seeing the same thing that any other wrestling show is, is doing and it's not making me want to watch mm-hmm. right so then well, if it's, go ahead all right well kind of the way i'm looking at it is i mentioned this earlier today when we were all kind of talking about this in our group chat is we're 10 weeks in, 
the new car smell has wore off now. We've Ooh, all seen so. we've all seen now what AEW is. We have a very good idea now of what it is, or at least what they're trying to be. And as we've stated, there was a lot of promises made, a lot of big talk made in the lead up to this. And now we're seeing a lot of areas where it's like, okay, this isn't really drastically different. I mean, it slapped me across the face hard as hell last week. That Jericho segment that opened the show, I'm like, they straight up did a 20-minute promo to open the show. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, I thought that kind of thing wasn't supposed to happen around here. I mean, you don't even see a 20-minute promo opening Raw these days anymore. Right. But AEW sure as hell did it last week. Um, there is just a lot of odd stuff, I think, where there's holes in the cheese there is some swiss cheese <laughs> stuff going on here <laughs> like there's now that we're 10 weeks in i think there's some very glaring obvious pitfalls where there's parts of their presentation that are just not as well thought out it seems as other aspects and i think it really comes down to what you were saying earlier if you're in that orbit of jericho and the bucks and like the main guys the core main guys then you're pretty well taken care of because that's what they're obviously focusing on because Cody's obviously very concerned about his stuff and the Bucks are concerned about their tag matches and Jericho's concerned about the title programs and it centers around him. But if you're not in those couple little scenarios there, you're kind of like struggling in the, in the water and trying to find something to float on right now. There is a lot of just odd things going on. I don't know what they're doing with Brandy and this whole She's a witch all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like what, what, one, you know, for, for the whole build up to this company, she was being presented as, you know, the chief brand officer and like as, you know, Cody's wife. And now suddenly in the past couple of weeks, it's like they flipped a switch and now suddenly she's a totally different character. And the transition yeah. of that is just weird and it's jarring. And if they did it with someone else, if it was someone else playing that role, I think it could have worked, but the way they handled this with her, it's like, what? And there's well, a lot of that happening right now, I think, with mm -hmm. A. Well, see, the thing is, it doesn't work. <clears throat> it doesn't work on any level, because you have the Dark Order, and I think that they are trying to learn that some people, you just can't surprise them with a, oh, who are these guys, and should I cheer for them? Maybe, we'll see. <laughs> and, and versus a promo package that was building up. Uh, they started a promo uh, campaign with uh, Wardlow. Um, you know, they did a thing, and it's like, oh, he went totally streets of rage on some guys in the parking lot for no reason. <laughs> cool. Um, and then nothing. And then we see another vignette. Cool. Totally forgot about that guy, but I guess he's still a thing. Good on you, sir. And then he comes out, and you go, who is that? Oh, we've seen him twice. Well, fine. But then you have the Dark Order, where they're like, I don't, this isn't cool. The, the creepers are creepy, and they take away from the product. I don't know if I need to care about these guys. But then when you rebrand them via the video packages, uh-oh, this is actually interesting. I, I have a better sense of what they're about now. Uh, same thing with the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny, the, the Triple Bs, Big Baller brand. When they, <laughs> um, <laughs> when they came out, uh, and basically, the steampunk version of the Dark Order, because one of the dudes has a monocle. It's, you know, you kind of go, who and why? And then 
luckily Excalibur is so good that he saves the bit and you know gets you excited about it. But then you have Jim Ross is like, I don't know why I should care about this, and you shouldn't either. So it's like a lot of these, it's 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 hit and miss, and it's a lot of misses and hits, and that's kind of why things are kind of falling flat. Now I bring this up to say that Brandy Rhodes in another weird angle, the Nightmare Collective, which is basically the Dark Order <laughs> asleep, um, is kind of the same deal. It doesn't make sense. Awesome Kong is awesome by herself. She doesn't need anyone, let alone Brandy Rhodes, to be her mouthpiece. And then, of course, Brandy is Cody's wife. She's been presented as Cody's wife. That's not a secret. She's an executive, just as, or not an executive, but a junior executive as much as everyone else is. And now she's a voodoo priestess, witchcraft, doctor, shaman, guy, person thing. <laughs> it doesn't make sense when you have Cody, who's trying to present his taste and do a promo, and then you, then you go, oh, my wife there is collecting hair again. That's cool. <laughs> it takes away from the overall uh, goal. So the point is, is that if they can do a promo for the Dark Order and repackage them and represent them, cool. But they got to know that. They got to test that. It's, it seems that they're throwing a lot of the stuff at the wall and mm -hmm. letting it stick mm -hmm. and seeing what falls off and what doesn't. And I bring this up because John Moxley did an interview with uh, Chris Van Vliet, who works for AEW, is a sideline reporter that they don't use because they put Tony Schiavone in the ring. It doesn't make sense. Why is Shivani doing in-ring interviews when you have a guy like Van Vliet or Jen Sturger for that reason? What, who's producing the show? But Moxley <laughs> said in, a, in an interview, he said that AEW has the creative freedom, that the wrestlers and the talent has the creative freedom to do essentially what they want, not really, but kind of, sort of, yeah. Do you think, and this is a question to you guys, do you think that that's uh, a, a play... That should they be reined in a bit? Should there be some actual structure from whoever the bookers and producers are to the talent that we need to streamline this a little bit better? Or should the inmates continue to run the asylum? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some organization. Now, whether it's it's Tony Khan, you know, someone who would be above all of them as far as like the, 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 the group of VPs we have, there's gotta be some overarching direction. Cause like the thing that's jumping out at me is just like in these past couple weeks between the stuff with Brandy, with this nightmare collective between <laughs> the, the bun, the, the big baller brand, the bunny and the blade <laughs> and the butcher. <laughs> it's like on a two hour show, do we need all three of those gimmicks that are all kind of overlapping each other with the with the supernatural odd stuff going on and the different look and it all being like kind of dark and it's like it's like okay someone should have stepped in there and be like we don't need all three y'all someone's got to <laughs> do something different here. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's like, in that two hour span, where does that leave a group like Private Party that we haven't seen in a little while? Where does yeah. that leave Darby Allen who we haven't seen in a little while? I know he's injured, but still the point remains. They don't have the equity for everyone to get a program off at the same time. They don't. No. Which uh -huh. is what AEW Dark is for, so that we don't forget them. Okay, cool. Um, you know, have that. But if anything, AEW Dark seems like, at first it started out as the, not necessarily a companion, but just filler. Like, hey, this is extra content. It's free. If you can't get the show, wherever you are in the world, this is a thing. 
And now it seems to be more of a companion piece because it airs before the next uh, Dynamite goes live. And they're doing a better job with that. But the thing that attracted me to Dynamite, and we were there at the first show, mm-hmm. was that it started out with wrestling. Sure did. It's, it, I mean, and, and the first couple of shows, four or five shows, they went 45 minutes without a commercial break. And then they went split screen. And then they went 20 minutes. And they took their first full commercial break after an hour. Now we start off with the Jericho promo that kind of fell flat. Eh. I, I just hope that, you know, going forward, what, what do they do? Because obviously they've changed and they are trying to find their niche. Do you think that they found it yet? Or are they still in the experimental phase? And how long do you think that'll last? The, and that they would be are my still question. in their experimental phase. If, for me, what this has shown me is a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to write a weekly episodic television show and then mm-hmm. to correlate it to professional wrestling. It's one thing to do pay-per-views. It's one thing to do special events. But as we've been saying this whole episode, there are too many people in the room who want to get their point over or want to get their gimmick on television, and there is no one to say nope, to say checks and balances, like, uh, this BBB squad may not work right now. Let's, let's at least do a vignette to kind of get people interested. But what's happening now is we are being inundated with over, too many gimmicks that, like you said, overlap, one. And two, there's a lot of people in the middle, the mid-card and the lower tier that if you're not getting on dark... You're not getting in at all. I mean, we saw last week or two weeks ago, Janela already said, yeah, 12 years plus career not being utilized on social media. And I thought it was a bit. But at the same token, it's if he's already voicing his opinion, just imagine other people who have been like, well, really, I came here for, for a fresh opportunity. And it's basically the, the, the good old boy elite club just putting everybody else over. Um, and, and to your point about Kenny, I honestly think at this point, he doesn't need to solidify himself in AEW for the most part. If he keeps losing, then yeah. But if he's one of those EVPs of talent they keep talking about, because I think everyone's an EVP of talent there, uh, he's going to want, he's got his money, he's got his shine, he's going to want to get new talent over, which explains, you know, I guess why he let John Moxley beat the crap out of him, even though he's not new talent. it's a little too top heavy. So I think we're still in that developmental stage of what's going to make AEW work outside of the top heavy cream rising to the top. Because honestly, aside from that, uh, the inner circle and, and to be, to be fair, I may be a little biased, but LAX kind of just unintentionally being funny yet being effective in their role Sammy Guevara has never done anything for me, but I feel as if he's underneath that learning tree and that helps him out. Hager's going to stand there looking, you know, like the white awesome Kong. If you want to reverse it, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. But the Brandy thing, to, to your point uh, earlier, is she became Isla Dawn all of a sudden. And I don't know what the motivation is, aside from I don't just want to be known as Cody's wife. So whoever that main producer back there is saying, yeah, let's run with that. No, we need someone to put that, that. No, 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 no. We're gonna build this up over two or three weeks. Set up for our next pay per view. Our next was it Bash at the Beach? Our next event. Yeah, and go from there. But it's it's too all over the place at this point. But these are the growing pains when you let the inmates run the asylum, 
And there's no one kind of saying, yeah, you might want to hold back on that. And just to add to that, too, well, one critical thing that is going on right now is I know we have two more weeks. It'll be the 18th, and that's the last show, I think, before 2020. And it's going to be a two-week break where it's not going to be any new AEW. Now, I don't know if they're doing repeat shows or recap shows during their time slot, which is on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Um, and I'm going to think, what, what's going to be the point where if they're losing momentum with these non-new shows into 2020, is something that's going to happen where TNT is going to say, okay, you guys need to step it up, or we're going to pull this plug before it really gets going. So even though they're still in their experimental phase, like how much leash do they really have with TNT to make those quote-unquote mistakes or growing pains? Well, I think that's a thing that we'll never know. Obviously, we, we have seen some major gaps from uh, AEW uh, regarding uh, animals, for example, mm-hmm. regarding um, you know, characters, uh, personnel, and not handle themselves in the best manner on social media. Uh, we've seen them make those mistakes. But um, there have been some, uh, and whatever the hell happened to Kylie Ray, another mistake. Oh, but uh, yeah, yeah I was just gonna. I was just thinking to myself for a second, really quick, uh, <laughs> Damien, how he said uh, uh, where we kind of talk about Brandy Rose and what they're doing. Also, to uh, talk about gimmick infringement. Also, and wow, Siren of Doll and Holiday has done mm-hmm. this better. I still don't. I, 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 I've been kind of puzzled for like the last fifteen minutes of like how in the world is is Brandy and the creative around that any of it making sense, and why she's focusing on herself and getting over something that just does, is, isn't working. She's supposed to be such an advocate for the women's division. Seems like the focus is all became on her, which is very reminiscing such of her social media presence that she was making. Uh, a, uh, a few months ago and you know went from being an advocate for the brand to now an advocate of herself so I, I don't know I am really 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 puzzled about the stance of the booking and, and, and the direction of AEW right now now to be fair that's not Brandy's fault uh, entirely um, it's not the she, I don't think that she would prefer it that she referred to as Mrs. Cody Rhodes. I don't think that she would prefer that she would be known as the uh, ex-WWE uh, a ring announcer. I think that she's trying. God bless her, she's tried. Especially with that mm-hmm. promo for the pay-per-view that she had with Ali. That may have been Fight for the Fallen. Um, but she tried to do the sympathetic babyface story of all oh, my life, I had to fight, but you know, no man's going to hold me down. See <laughs> um, <laughs> what I did there? But this the uh, but that's not her fault that she isn't going to uh, get over that way, and she's trying something else. And, 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 and I get you, I definitely get you with that. My my point is that you know if she's sitting here experimenting on what's going to get her over when there's still a very very vague like gap of other people's presence on the show, right. and again for her having stake in the business. And rank while she's experimenting on what may work for her. Throw these other people out there. Give them some time. Some of these people that's you know gained popularity and got to the point of even being signed in the first place for what they've been doing all over the world. Why not give them the TV time where you can ensure that's going to work instead of her going out there uh, playing roulette? In other way, in other words, hoping that it lands on her number to get it to get over. That's what I'm not getting. And it's consistently 
each and every week, and it hasn't caught yet. At what point do we kind of make the comparison of Brandy Rhodes to a Stephanie McMahon character trying to make her the focal point of a woman's division? <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, if Brandy Rhodes right now to me is Alex Marvez. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not saying she shouldn't have a job, but I am saying she shouldn't be on TV. <laughs> and we definitely don't need her in the ring. No, we don't need no. her wrestling. Man. <laughs> No, just just that's just, the one. That's the one plan. thing. That's the one thing I had someone say to me. They were like, "At least her, she's talking. She's not wrestling." So I don't know. That's yeah. That's a slippery slope. I don't. I guess yeah. they figure they got to utilize her. And why well, it probably comes, you know, it probably just comes down to this: Who's going to tell her no? You know, <laughs> seriously, who that's is going to man problem? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, would Cody even well, do it? You know, shoot. Mm. I mean, maybe because it is still a business, and I think that people generally agree that whatever NXT did this past week of AEW was a decent show and and a hell of a lot better than the previous show uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, they will continue upward in mobility. With the one dark spot in this bright show was the Brandy Road segment, which had the unintended consequence of undermining a great match between Chris Statlander and uh, Hikaru Shida. So, oops. But, you know, that's a different thing. It'll be interesting to see how her particular arc goes because of who she is. Who does have the guts to tell her that, like, okay, dear. No. <laughs> We're done with this. And, and that'll be interesting to see how that transforms, but sooner than later, because... If anything, AEW is aware of what the fans are saying. And they obviously have a plan, but they're not uh, immune to failure. Mm. So I think if, you know, not necessarily give the people what they want, because the internet is still cancerous, but also know the difference between uh, a bad time and, you know, an effective heel. And, And right now, Brandy Rhodes is not being an effective heel. So the AEW business aside... Unless anybody else had a thing about that. Uh, and I really do hope that it gets better. But personally, I've stopped watching AEW. It's not given me a reason to watch anymore. It, it hasn't really held my interest as far as the way the, you know, the stories are going to go forward. And honestly, for a lot of people that have fallen by the wayside, AEW Dark is supposed to be there for them. And that really doesn't seem to be that. AEW Dark seems to be a mix of Sunday Night Heat and WCW Thunder. I just want to say this because I, I I want you to transition to the next topic. Um, also, too, because I'm surprised no one said this as well. So each and every week, I guess we can ensure that we will get Brandy Rose and her dark uh, witchcraft, uh, maybe the, the craft part two edition each and every week. and Or the craft remake, shall I say, edition. <laughs> and also, let's let it be known, we also get... Cody Rhodes each week making some form of a ring seg- a ring announcement segment that just happens to always be drawn out. I literally had to go back and to really check to make sure that each and every week he does come to the ring to cut some po- promo that just goes way longer than expected. Not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, is this just the norm now? Can we expect to see Cody each and every week to be an absolute on-screen talent, but not just 
in the match, but also to cut a promo. I'm I, for me, it's kind of getting stale or and super repetitive. So I don't well, know. We, just... we've, and that's a, that's another thing too, though. We we've seen where they're uh, where they're buttering their bread, and we've seen how a Cody promo and they, and they're good promos mm-hmm. or a Cody vignette or mm-hmm. something like that. He's obviously hands on all on all of that. It's apparent. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have a guy like Sonny Kiss who also has a story to tell, who also is one of the more memorable uh, characters on the roster, definitely sticks out for a, a number of reasons. I don't think the Sunny Kiss is a mid-card act, yet he has not been able to progress in the way that, she, that he should. Um, and it's really interesting to see how the, the cards are being shuffled and how the deck is being cut, where I would have argued within their first three shows, that everyone on TV is a main eventer. And then we get Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho early on. Whereas last year, I don't know if I would have said that. But now it's kind of like, well, they're sticking with their chosen few, and the rest fight it out for the mid-card, which doesn't exist because there's no thing to chase in the mid-card. But then Wasn't, the diamond ring, wasn't the diamond ring supposed to be the mid-card title? No, because nobody's defending that next week. <laughs> so it's just a story piece. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, it's like the Andre the Giant Memorial uh, Battle Royal. Pointless. Yeah, I, I, I assumed it was a prop for MJF that eventually will get destroyed or something or, you know, something that's clearly, I think, tied to him that Cody will end up doing something with was was my assumption but mm-hmm. okay. no. and, and to be fair it, it did make Hangman Page look good as a sympathetic baby face I will give them that but it, there's a lot of um, uncertainty to AEW which seems that like surprising that it would come 10, 8 to 10 weeks in and, and you know they, they, they're losing their steam and I really hope they get it back especially as they go on a, a brief hiatus to end of the year the well, problem I'll be I have at the with... show next week. So I, I, I'm going to the show in Dallas next week. So hopefully there'll be some marketable improve, marketed improvement uh, on what we've seen. And, and you're right. It was a decent show yesterday. It wasn't, you know, let's all sing to the heavens here, but better than they were the week prior, like we said. And I'm just a little concerned uh, just from a personal standpoint that a lot of the talent they tried to sign up or they tried to bring on board is going to get lost by the wayside faster than you can say NXT. And that's, <laughs> that actually is something I think that's going to happen. And Sonny Kiss, I hope and I pray, because I've, I've watched Sonny the last three years or so. You're right. Not a, not a low-end talent, for sure. Charismatic, for sure. Athletic, for sure. Why the hell are we not pushing this person? Mm. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the brain trust thought process is opposed to just go with what works because we're still trying to build up our cachet, what has worked in the past for other organizations, because this isn't a one-time only pay-per-view where we can have 4,000 people on the roster and half of them are in a battle royal every week. You can't do that. So I I don't know where they go, but next week's going to be interesting because I get to see it firsthand and live in person. So I'm very I'm looking forward to that. Damien, let me ask this just for you. Like just locally around the area, have you seen on maybe social media, talk to friends around there that are legitimately excited about the show? Or are they more intrigued saying, okay, let me see this for my first time as a viewer's perspective live there? Like, are you guys excited or are you kind of like 
I say the latter. I say it's yeah. more the latter than the former. Uh, gotcha. A lot of people I've talked to who are going to the, the show, they are just literally saying, "Let's see what the alternative is to WWE yep. or the or the shitty indies that we have here in you know at some parts of Dallas." And, and it's it's a, it's going to be one of those things where it's a spectacle. Oh, yep. what are we going to wa- what are we going to watch? What are we going to see? And if it turns out to be quite honest that it's a flop, that not everyone buys the ticket because I saw the ticket prices. A lot of people are still balking at paying $70 to go see AEW, to be quite honest, uh, to sit in like a pretty decent section. It's going to be interesting. But as a fan, as a wrestling fan, I'm looking forward to seeing. There are some local people there that are on AEW, for instance. Sammy Guevara is a Texas guy. So he's probably going to get one of the bigger pops of the night because he's a local boy. Hangman Page. He's from Houston, though, right? That doesn't count. Yeah, but a lot of people are making the drive from like Houston and Austin just to see him. So nah. it's still like one of those statewide woohoo moments for yes, people. Yes. You know? right. But yeah, that's that's what it's more turning into. More just see what it's about, more so than oh my god, I can't wait for AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's unfortunate because I know the the feeling that I had when they opened the show, and this of course would be their first show was this is history. I need to be in the presence of history, no matter what the cost. Versus Seventy dollars, mm. uh, and Garland is not in Dallas, so right. that is also interesting that they decided to run a building uh, there. Uh, it's really also interesting to decide where they go. Like they haven't been to the major cities, um, they haven't been to the West Coast at all, they haven't been to New York. They skipped over New York. Uh, they'll reason. be in Miami in January with their Miami Vice show, uh, but they're only doing Dallas so far and Corpus Christi, and then not Houston or San Antonio. So. I wonder from, if that from, has something to do with the um, with the attendance that's from, been in flux. From my conversations and, and uh, speaking to some of their uh, uh, talent at times, from what I'm getting from is that they know these places like New York and the major cities that you've named, that they know they can do it. The idea is to take it to the smaller t- towns to say, um, you know, potentially, what can we do here? So maybe it's trial and error in the first parts, uh, but they know that they know in the major cities, especially in New York, that it won't be a problem at, at all. But yeah, let me ask this okay. to, to, to everybody: just at what point do we really are going to hit the panic button at, on AEW? As far as are they just another TNA that's going to flame out? Are they going to be an impact that slowly makes an impact? Pun unintended. Uh, or are they just going to mm-hmm. just be what they are? which is a, a high-end indie show that's above Ring of Honor, that's slightly <laughs> neck and neck with Impact. But it is, it, you know, for, is that what it's going to be? For me, it doesn't even matter. I, I think this is the conversation that I've been saying for a long time. Sure, we could talk about what's happening in the weeks that they've been, um, excuse me, doing weekly uh, television, but they still have to do the work. And people were so quick to label them as the next, you know, Maharaja. <laughs> or, <laughs> hey, he was a champion. But, like, let it let it play out a little bit. So I wasn't ever fascinated on saying they are this. Just let it see what happens. And then again, we can we can, we can assess six months or, yeah, six months in of what it has been. 
but labeling them as you know the second biggest company because of the financial backing and all that other hoopla people were saying means nothing to me. I I easily always said it was always WWE one, then it was Impact. Impact has sustained their 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 um, craft over the years, and even the moves that they made this year still continues to make them relevant. There's a track record here. That's why you can speak about them. AW, they're still finding their niche. And obviously still working on kinks. No reason to label them as anything. Just let it, just let it, just let it, let it give it some time for me. I would agree with you. But however, and we got to be realistic about this. When January turns, it is officially, or not even when January turns, as soon as this last next pay-per-view for WWE goes, it's going to be WrestleMania season. And you're going to be pushing up against the Royal Rumble. And you're going to be pushing up a lot of mainstream audiences with WrestleMania where you know WWE is going to push hard. AEW doesn't need to get lost in that sauce. Now, AEW can't recover during the summertime when WWE normally has their lowest quality product, but they don't need to lose major ground during that time because it's, I think they it's not gonna it's time. not gonna matter. WrestleMania weekend is what it's called. It's WrestleMania weekend. Everyone's in town for WrestleMania. And even if you're not in town specifically for WrestleMania, everybody is catering to the fact that it is WrestleMania weekend. Thus, let's book our indie shows or whatever on that weekend because we know the draw of what WWE does. AW don't have anything to prove that weekend. Hell, run the show 30 minutes off. They got to. It's not going to make a difference. But it's WrestleMania weekend. So the, what, what WWE does, it doesn't affect them at all. They just have to just, at some point, try to figure out a way how they can make some money during that time. But yeah, no, I, I, I have nothing else to say about AW. Okay, so let's move on to NXT. Because the problem that I have with NXT is different than the problem I have with AEW. The problem that I have with NXT... It goes back to the show in Buffalo. While the rest of the main roster for SmackDown was stuck in Saudi Arabia after the um, events of Crown Jewel in your Saudi house. And <laughs> they did make the show to Buffalo. And then we got one of the best SmackDowns, uh, certainly a memorable SmackDown, best one in, in, in several years. So the problem that I have is that, sh- that episode of SmackDown was memorable because it felt like an NXT show on the main roster. And then next week, when Raw did it, or actually a couple days later when Raw did it, we got a WWE show that features NXT. The talk has always been, does uh, when people move up from NXT when they get promoted. Now the talk after Survivor Series is, because NXT won handily, that <laughs> NXT is now officially a third brand. They are on the level or they're near with uh, the main roster. It's not the main roster anymore. Tommaso Ciampa said that um, uh, the referee, the female referee in NXT, I can't think of her name, was making a lateral move. Jessica Carr. Mm -hmm. Was making a lateral move to SmackDown. And good on her. So if that's the case, where NXT is now main roster worthy and the main roster is what it is, do you think that that's an actual demotion in the quality of NXT? They had the same, the principal characters do the same bit on Raw. And the show didn't feel the same. It felt very flat. If, hell, I mean, if anything, I'm going to say that that version of it was very bad compared to what we got out of SmackDown. And that's only a difference of three days. Do we really want NXT to be a main roster quality product? Or do we risk losing what made NXT special in the first place? Okay. So uh, here's my thing. 
Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll this a simple question back to you. What does main roster quality product mean? Mm. It means exactly what you see on TV. The uh, production, the, 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 the ring entrances, the, the Titan Tron. The, there's a difference between NXT TV at the laundromat and behind full sale <laughs> and, and NXT TakeOver. Yeah, there is a difference, and you ab- know that. Absolutely. And they use the scaled down version of the main roster set for the pay per view for the NXT Takeover. It is I, what it is. Absolutely. I, I, okay, I get that. So, like Will said, um, you know, on on numerous shows, this is the first time NXT is able to make money. So, if there is money accessible, then why not up a few of the 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 um the ambiance to make it the presentation look better. I mean, hell, you still gotta you you still you're on TV now, so yeah, you gotta make yourself look better and utilize those extra ducats that you have. But to the point of main roster product, besides actually the aesthetics of it, each of the three shows all do feel different from me. Raw still feels very much like Raw. Um, Fox WWE Fox SmackDown is is that. And um, and then NXT just feels like NXT, except it just I feel like it has a better flow, and um, and you know now with it not being on the network and being on national TV, I feel like there's a little bit of a pep in the step with it. But as far as this, the the wrestling that's going on in it, it still feels the same to me. I don't, I don't, I I don't watch NXT and feel awkwardly strange. Like this isn't how they would usually have done things. Um, and also too, I think with it. Being on live TV, I think the draw consistently in in the arena each and every Wednesday is more appealing to people because uh, you get you it's the spectacle. You're like, hey, I could be on TV possibly, and on top of that, um, it, the flow and the pacing I feel like is a lot better than the constant resetting after every four match for taping. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I I don't feel like the style of wrestling is different. I just feel like the production pacing is better for NST. So I don't I don't have a problem with it. Until I watch NST and I think I'm watching Baby Raw, which it has not been that at all, uh, thank God. And Fox obviously won't have a stake in what happens on USA Network. If that was the case, then they would have just stayed on USA Network if USA Network was capable of doing such. Um, so that's obviously not going to be a problem. So I think I think NST is fine on that notion for me. So let me rephrase the question because I think uh, my point generally is is that NXT felt special when it first started, and it feels special now because of its aesthetic, its small indie show feel with its you know very um, more athletic, dare I say, athletic you know wrestling style versus. Uh, the storytelling that happens on Raw and SmackDown, which feels similar, and that's the, the general difference between the main roster product. And the reason why I say that is because when we got the show in Buffalo and the NXT guys invaded, it was a very different feeling show, even though it was a SmackDown. And when they did the same thing on Raw, it felt like a Raw. Now, granted, McMahon approves all, he knows all, he sees all. He's the Eye of Sauron. But <laughs> there is a definitely an aesthetically different feel to what happened on SmackDown versus what happened on Raw. And if we want NXT to, quote unquote, elevate to the level of the main roster, it could, in theory, emulate the quality of the main roster, which in my mind is worse off. So when you put NXT and you take it out of full sale 
and you bring it into a town with a similar touring schedule as AEW and a similar building schedule as AMSW with uh, a similar production as AEW, which isn't nearly as elaborate as Raw and SmackDown, I do think that you could lose something that made NXT feel very special and unique. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that juice worth the squeeze. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, yeah, that that I can see. If they end up going the direction of moving out of full sale into bigger buildings, and it gets more of a, a look and feel like Raw and SmackDown, and it looks more like a like Takeover does on a weekly basis, then it is going to blend in more with the other two shows. Right now, given the way the ratings have gone the past couple weeks, and now that they're more neck and neck, I don't think there's any danger of that happening. If they're not getting blown out, I don't think they're going to go through the expense of trying to put the, put the show on the road or go into bigger buildings. They got a good deal going on with Full Sail. And I think as long as they're competitive with AEW, I don't think they're sweating that. If they're getting blown out, then, yeah, we might still only start hearing about, oh, NXT is going to be in uh, Tampa this week, and next week it's going to be in the Carolinas, and to go in that route to make it look more like AEW does every week. But I think now that the playing field's gotten kind of leveled and they seem to be hitting some good momentum – I don't think there's a danger of that right now. I think they're going to keep it in full sale for the moment. But if they changed it, yeah, I think that would be a, probably the first thing we would notice, that the show would not feel as unique as it does right now. Right. Uh, quick, quick, question, point, quick, quick question. Quick um, question. And maybe somebody already knows exactly what, I, what I'm about to say and maybe even have all the information about it. But apparently... Um, NXT is about to run show a, a, a couple of shows out of full sale live. I think I've seen that. Unless I'm just completely dreaming. Is this true? Like you mean as part future, of their weekly television? Or, like, or they were going I need to look this up. So I just just come back to me. But really quick, I just I'm gonna say before that's even done, uh uh before before I'm done is that um absolutely Jamal, the 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 idea of NXT is intimate. And and the full sale crowd obviously plays a big part in that, but also just the arena itself, very intimate. And NST felt like a secret at times to people because if you didn't if you didn't know anything about it, it was like gold mine sitting under your feet or on your network that you're not paying attention to. So it was always a little bit of a like, huh, you guys have no idea what you're not all this good wrestling that you miss that you're missing. And before like the mainstream audience gets involved in all their dictatorship about how wrestling should be, it was enjoyable to watch without having a headache of anything else being being tampered into that. So now that it is on live TV and now it's obviously part of a war, um, more eyes are on it. Good for them. But also, it also makes it subjected to a lot of nonsense, which is like bad for viewers who've been watching this all the time at peace and just not having to hear the nonsense left and right about it. You know, social media is a big part of things. Hell, having a podcast with that doesn't make it easy at all. But it, it like I said, it was damn good of an idea uh, or feeling, shall I say, of being able to watch NXT and it just be like, damn, that's good. And that's it. You know, it, it had the independent feel on a greater scale. Uh, very intimate. Um, the bet, the best bang for your buck you can get. Um, so you know, as long as they can keep that essence, everything should be okay. By the way, do my we know? Thing, it, my, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, great. Oh, I'm about to say, just here's my just quick tidbit too. And and going back to what Jamal saying, should it be considered a big brand? Let's think about like some just major moves that did and did not happen. 
So Finn Balor went to NXT. So you're thinking, oh, you know, this could be a big move where we're definitely trying to make them a brand on their own. And like you said, if they take them out of full sale, make them have a traveling system where they're on their own, okay, we're going in the right direction possibly. Then you have Kevin Owens who comes on NXT TakeOver but does not end up staying on NXT. So is it really still a major player or is it still like a minor league system? Because in a way, you could say that Finn Balor just got recalled to AAA and maybe he'll make his way back up to the top again using a baseball reference. But I don't know if you have to, if you're trying to make that uh, a big show, like the third party of the war, even though they won Survivor Series and everything like that. But let's be honest, has Survivor Series in the last like five years been like a major four pay-per-view or has it been just a showcase of showing three different brands? Because nothing has come from it of moving somebody to the next level. I mean, look at Dolph Ziggler. He's been like what the survivalist or, or the final survivor or whatever. Survivor. So survivor and does nothing for his career. So I, I think in order to use that as a metaphor, a top brand or to be a main event brand, you have to have players be featured on this quote unquote main event show. Well, isn't that what they're doing now kind of with Keith Lee because he has such a great showing Survivor Series weekend? Well, now he's kind of thrust himself or been placed in the main event scene at NXT. Uh, yep. I, just to push back on that, I, I would say I say no. And the only reason why I say no, look at Velveteen Dream. And even though Velveteen Dream has not been on the same type of showcase where they showcase him as Survivor Series and then making him the main event star or NXT, they can trap him there in a way and he won't grow. Um, and I don't mean that. I don't hope I, that doesn't happen in a negative way. But I think ultimately you're going to put him up to somewhere on Fox or somewhere on USA where you can put him on a bigger show like Raw or SmackDown. I don't think you'll end up him being just a major player on NXT. Uh, 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 real quick, just to finish my thought from a second ago, I was wrong. NXT is going to Buffalo, New York uh, for a Sunday live. Yeah, it's part of the tour. Yeah, the tour. So the tour is actually moving to production live. It's just um, outside of just doing the full sale show on, that's almost a tongue twister, Lord, on Wednesday. Um, they will be doing something in Buffalo, and look, maybe that's why. Maybe may, Buffalo maybe makes sense because uh, sense of what you just said about SmackDown. Maybe they know they got something up there they can go rehash on. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, they, they, they usually do that though. They they'll do a, um, a like a string of three shows before takeover, and mm-hmm. they'll do like they're like uh, I I went to one where they did um, a couple years ago before takeover Chicago. They did Cincinnati, Louisville, Kentucky, right. right. And but, and uh, Chicago, and I guess because I haven't checked in a while, but I thought maybe the logistics maybe changed since they have to do the Wednesday show now each and every week on on uh for the USA Network, excuse me, yeah for USA Network for live television. So, but yeah, looking at this now, yeah, they're they're obviously got tickets on sale all the way to through uh, February, and then they got this one show that's going to be in Buffalo, New York, that is going to be on uh on January 12th. But other than that, they have no other shows. So, yeah. Right. Interesting. So, I guess my, my point overall, I mean, it, the biggest thing that I fear about NXT is that NXT is like that indie band that you see, or that, that underground rapper that you see that goes mainstream and loses the thing that makes them special. It's <laughs> really that major point. label deal. <laughs> exactly. I really don't want um, you know NXT as much as we worry about in the people from NXT graduating, so to speak, to, to the main roster. I'm still equally concerned about NXT as a as a whole graduating to be a main roster product. 
and the losses that could come therein. And I think that if there is a way, obviously, to do that and keep the thing that makes NXT special, but when you appeal to a wider audience with a wider demographic, with a wider showcase, that's the thing that WWE does well. They're the Walmart of wrestling. They have to appeal to everyone. <laughs> with the smile. NXT doesn't do that. But they will more than likely have to if they up their production to become an actual brand. And then, of course, what does that mean going forward? Now, we've seen NXT and Survivor Series. Does that mean that NXT gets a major stake in the Royal Rumble? Does that mean that NXT gets a major stake in Money of the Bank? Like, what does that mean as far as its actual placement within the triumvirate of main roster town, uh, shows? Mm-hmm. So that's another I... thing that I think... Going, uh, um, one, one, one point, Will. That's one of the things that I think going forward is that uh, they have Worlds Collide coming up, Royal Rumble weekend, so there will be no mm-hmm. takeover. I would like to see Worlds Collide if NXT UK and NXT Florida are doing a thing, that's not really main roster worthy, is it? Because nobody gives a good goddamn about NXT UK. Decent show, but it's not. But nobody cares. It's the two hundred five live of London. So there seems to be in the middle ground as to after Survivor Series. Oh yeah, NXT is you know the show, and it's on you know network TV, cable television. It's a major player now. But then World's Collide is going to happen. So where actually do they stand? And do we want them to even become a main roster project, knowing what that means? But go ahead, Will. You were going to say something? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. I agree totally with a lot of that. And I think what it really comes down to is we've seen NXT involved in the Royal Rumble the past couple of years. So we know that's definitely in play. Whether they get involved, like you said, with Money in the Bank coming next year, like if they do that in May again after WrestleMania. Heck, if NXT maybe has a match at WrestleMania. I think any of those things are in play. I think right now we're very much in a situation where anything and everything is possible. If they feel they want to make a move to bolster NXT, they absolutely could do it. There's nothing stopping them. What I did find interesting the last two weeks, and especially last night since we came out of Survivor Series, I think part of the big question of Survivor Series was, was all this intermingling going to continue with the idea that they needed to have that star power on Wednesday nights to help out with the rating against AEW. And as we saw last night, things have gone back to normal now. Last night was just a straight NXT show. They're putting the steam behind Keith Lee, but it wasn't like they had, you know, people showing up from Raw or people showing up from SmackDown. It was back to the NXT roster doing their thing on Wednesday night. And the other big thing that really stood out to me last night that gave me a lot of, I think... I would not necessarily want to say hope, but I, it gave me some excitement and got me really excited about things was that they seem to have a very clear direction for where they wanted to go. They made it very clear for the next two weeks. Okay, we're going to do number one contenders match next week, following with a title match the week after that. So they got a clear main event plan through Christmas. They said the next takeover show will be in February. And just the way that show ended with Keith Lee getting there in the mix with the title picture, with Ciampa, with Balor out there, and of course Adam Cole, and we can't forget Gargano is out there somewhere. He's going to pop back up, I'm sure. They have a very, I think, clear main event picture that they can easily stretch to that next takeover in February. So I think they've gotten really organized, and I think they have a very clear roadmap of where they want to go with that show. And I think it they had a rough start when they started out on USA with doing live TV, 
But last night, especially, I thought a lot of things clicked and I really got the impression that like they know what they want to do and they got a clear plan for where they're headed into the new year. So do you think that it's safe to say that the war is over? Not because it's either side won, but because more because it's a truce. NXT mm-hmm. has its own brand. It is its own show. AEW is not NXT. So there is no mm-hmm. war. Nobody's fighting. Mm-hmm. I think we're at a stalemate. Yeah, interesting. For sure. I think we're at a stalemate that's not going to... I don't see anything... For sure, in the next couple of weeks, nothing changes. Going into the holidays, you know, there's going to be too much going on. People's attention's distracted. The next big moment for me is where they come back after New Year's. That's the next big, okay, the, the slate's been wiped clean. What happens now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be really interesting for both uh, brands, NXT and AEW. To see what happens after the Christmas break, uh, what will they do? You know, will we still? If we, I swear to God, if we come back January first, and I think there will be an AEW show January first, mm-hmm. and there's still production issues, um, what what do you want me to do? I mean, at this point, <laughs> you, you, is anybody listening to the show live? Like, are you serious? <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to wait and see, and that is only a month away. Uh, two champs, you brought up something earlier about a commercial. Now, I've not seen this commercial <laughs> for real. Oh, no, I don't, I don't watch commercials on TV. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. <laughs> well, AW, okay, so the war part, and, and I do agree. Um, you know, I was never fond of calling this a war in the first place. Hell, even they were just like, that ain't no war going on. And every other single time they get a chance outside of the the PR initial statement of there's being a war, there's always been remarks to it being a war. So, yeah. So (laughs) this week, it's very weird. And I I didn't see too much of a social media backlash about it. But AEW definitely aired this commercial during during the show. And it definitely was all shots at NXT. It and it's quotes from major outlets and um and papers and so forth. So the commercials had AEW buries NXT. AEW Dynamite buries NXT. AEW Dynamite torches NXT by Forbes. AEW Dynamite buries NXT the rap. Oh, I already said that when you're about a rap. NXT crushes NXT by uh comicbook.com. So for me Especially with them initially always saying that it's not a war, they're not worried about them, they're doing their own thing, and then this happens, I don't know. Um, unnecessary, obviously. And uh I just I was curious to know what you guys like thoughts and response to it, seeing it or now hearing about it as well. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it well go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Damien. No, uh, well, <laughs> I guess we all sound alike, huh? Uh, I guess obviously there has to be some context to it. Um, I thought it was David. I'm sorry, Jamal. My fault. Nah, I mean, C- Cedric. You mean Cedric? What's wrong? ACH. Wow. Wow. Moose. <laughs> I quit. God, not I quit. Jesus. Um, so the the thing is, is that you know, there has to be some context to it. You can't just quote Forbes and they're quoting, you know, from what article? From when, when was that article written? Was it written in the first week? The first three weeks, first five weeks, 
mm-hmm. then yeah, that statement would be apt. Was it written last two weeks? No. Was it written <laughs> in the uh, AEW Survivor Series bill? No. So it seems disingenuous at best. And obviously, uh, but it would also be interesting to see who made that commercial. Did Turner do it? Or did the production company that makes AEW do it? Are they the same production company? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that works. But I yeah. hope they go back to the commercial with everybody just being like regular people. Darby Allen skateboarding, uh, Scorpio Sky running into the water in, in Southern California. You know, Brandy looking good on the day of the N's and Y. Um, just being AEW because they were different. That's a better campaign than these guys suck and we're better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to jump in real quick, my impression is that the TNT side made that ad. And yeah, I don't, I think the mentioning NXT three times in like, as short an ad as that is, I don't see what the point is. Cause like my, my thinking would be if you're running these ads and you're trying to run them on the Turner channels, my thinking is like, okay, you'd probably want to have those ads ideally probably play during some of the NBA games, you know, where they'd get the most darn eyeballs on them possible. And if you're showing these ads to a non wrestling audience, all they're going to be thinking is like, Oh, what's an NXT? You know, why, why is this, what's this NXT thing that's being mentioned three times in this wrestling commercial. So it, 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 it's, it's an ad to me that like it's, it's inside the bubble advertising that isn't broadening anything in my mind. Everything about that ad is marketed at wrestling fans. So I, I really don't see what the direction for it is or the point of it was. Well, it depends on when the ad will be aired. Like if they are airing it during basketball games, then they are uh, reaching an audience that would probably overlap well into WWE territory that probably watches ESPN or TNT for that reason. They may not have heard of an AEW because, honest to God, other than sports, what really is on TNT to watch? Okay. Don't ask yeah. all that time. I, I, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I won't even know. Nothing. Right. So unless you're like a huge fan of classic episodes of Charmed, uh, you know, they're not necessarily the TNT NBA audience. Wait, does that and still come it, on in the morning? I think all morning. I don't think it can oh, cut Jesus. off, actually. Jesus. Um, but but the, still, the idea is that that's not necessarily a, an NBA on TV, t- TNT audience. So the demographic that is males 18 to 49 would probably be doing the basketball game. So you probably want to pump out that my wrestling company is better than that other wrestling company during the time that males 18 to 49 would most watch your channel. It's smart. It does make sense. It is petty. And because, as fans, we're already in, and we see how petty it is, we don't need more of it. So it just seems disingenuous at best, petty at worst, and desperate worse than that, actually. Look mm-hmm. at me. I'm better than NXT. Um, hey, be- before we end the show tonight, I think we had a, 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 a very lengthy discussion on the Wednesday Night Wars. But can we can we have a moment to celebrate something really, really positive that I think we all can agree on right now? Chamatonga's going to murder Enzo Amore? Besides that, I, you know, <laughs> I don't even want to bring him up anymore on the show. Uh, but besides that, um, can, can we give a shout out to Dana Brooke? For shoot her no. shot? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I <laughs> the queen is shooting your shot. Yep, absolutely. She done. 
she done pulled up from Steph Curry range <laughs> to, to make it happen. And let's let's also give a shout out to uh, because we're not gonna we're not gonna take no credit away from Dana Brooke because she definitely earned every bit of 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 making that happen. But Fox coming through it with the wingman with that video that with they the put video out, package, yeah, absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, so that was great. Love is in the air, and Dana Brooke is probably gonna move because probably gonna have more purpose. Uh, than ever in her lifetime uh, involved with WWE now because oh, that Batista may be able to pull some strings from Can her. we just talk about how fast Batista's rebound game is? Like, <laughs> Literally. Literally. Within <laughs> what? 20 seconds of him saying, I'm single again. <laughs> Goodness lord. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, the real question for me is why isn't this the story that going forward and we can just scrap Rusev and Bobby uh, Lashley? I mean, it has to happen. It, it needs to happen. So yeah, it absolutely does. I'm puzzled about the Bobby Lashley thing only because so many people watch those highlights on YouTube. So apparently there's there's a subsector, a, a Maury, Jerry Springer-esque part of the audience that likes seeing this stuff. But mm-hmm. yet, when you bring it on national television or, or a syndicated cable, uh, cable program, nobody cares. So, so is that the only reason why we're still subjected to this dreadful ass storyline? Is because it gets hits on YouTube? Now, you know what it tells me. That uh, it, it tells me that a that's probably the case, and b uh, people are telling WWE that they can accept. They're willing to accept it in small doses. They'll take a five-minute chunk out of a 20-minute segment and view it over 8 million times. And nobody watches it live because I can just watch the best bits of this on YouTube. And it's kind of telling about the raw product. Well, WWE product, honestly. But, yeah. I mean, they're getting hits and they're getting likes because it is salacious. And, you know, it is a thing. And... But that I think that speaks to WWE's core audience, where maybe a little bit younger than, let's say, the NXT core audience. Maybe a little bit more juvenile. Maybe a little bit younger. Maybe a little bit more immature. But the fact that the Rusev Bobby, you know, cuckold uh, storyline it got over somehow, some way, is really telling. But you gonna say something, Will? Yeah, no, that that whole thing with the uh, you're, you're nailing it with the YouTube thing because that darn one of those segments, I think one of the first ones where they kind of first got the ball rolling on it, it mm-hmm. did something like two million views like by the next morning. It was like a ridiculously high number that it just took off like hell on YouTube. And it's like it doesn't translate to like TV ratings, but I get maybe it's just like that whole trashy TV aspect where like people are just watching it on their phones when they're like on the train or something. And like like Jamal was just saying, it's a short segment. So if you you distill that down to five minutes of trashy TV and it's like people get a laugh at it and then they move on. But yeah, those segments blow up for some reason online on YouTube. Mm. So that's my understanding is that's exactly why it's being pushed to the extent that it is. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, let's not forget that YouTube money is advertising money. Yep. So uh, any way they can get it, they're going to take it. True. Yeah, can't, can't knock them for that, though. Right. So but just make sure that you set your DVRs for next uh, next October 
when that new season of Total Divas come out, we can oh, see God. the real shenanigans with uh, Dana Brooke I, and and Batista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. McMahon has never been a shot away from making money. Mm-hmm. But it, right. Uh, but if there's nothing else, and I don't think there's anything else. Yes. Going once. Going twice. Oh, good. Then I think that's it. Let's call it a wrap. And let's get the hell out of here. This is the Big Old Boat Wrestling Podcast, and we will see you next week. On behalf of Damian and Will and Mr. Silly Sellis and Two Chains, I'm Jamal, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace out.